<laughs> Welcome to another episode of Exploring Art Podcast, a Florida International University student podcast for the creative curious. I'm your host, Fritz. I am delighted to have Christelle and Sky. And Welcome to Exploring Art Podcast. Surrounded by her versions, shortly thereafter, Villard agreed to Lauren Suzanne's citation of St. Anthony to another exhibition. To his horror, he discovered that he had already sold St. Anthony, so he sent Diana and Actian instead. However, the title Temptation of St. Anthony had already been entered in the catalog. The press which had previously praised the noble qualities of Diana and her virgins now praised the sly but willing smile and one of the daughters of Satan. Did the press make a mistake? Did Valar, our titles, a help or hindrance in interpreting art? Valar told the story to Suzanne, who was indifferent, saying that he had no particular subject in mind and was just trying to render certain kinds of movements. Was he right in his unconcern? With this, we are first going to the background behind our case study. With Suzanne and Villard, Scott, can you go into detail about the French art style business and world in the 19th century? Of course I can, Fritz. So you guys, based upon the research, it was three types of styles, which was romanticism, realism, and impressionism. So romanticism was more emotional in how they drew and created their work. And during this time period, you could see a lot of the work from the 19th century show a lot of nudism and statues and marble. They really showcase their emotions of love, whether with hate and faith also. One that really was particularly interesting was realism with um, Iris and Gustave because they real deal depicted female reproductive parts and it made me feel like the art in this time century mm-hmm. or period excuse me was very intricate with their emotions and they wanted to make sure that everybody was feeling how they feel in the period you know mm, okay. And okay. I feel like with my personal experience of seeing the photos it was very disgusting in a way, but, you know, <laughs> in modern society, it would probably be different. Mm-hmm. So I wish I could relate to it. Do you guys have an opinion about it as well? Yeah, I just feel like I feel like back then, like the like the art was just very vulgar. And I just don't I can't I can't really stay there like and just like look at pictures like that. But I guess like back then, like they were experimenting with new things. So I guess that's just their way of art back then. But me personally, like right now, like I feel like it's just it's just too horrible for me. I don't know. Like, yeah. Well, I found it interesting, like realism art. I like how artists, they sometimes have no filter on what they want to paint. Like they paint things for uh-huh. how they're seen. So I, I think mm-hmm. it's interesting. Mm-hmm. So you guys. Okay. An honest question I had was a thought of what do you think the motive was behind the styles in this period? In my opinion, I think the motive was more so of finding one's true self. I agree. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree with that as well. Yeah, yeah, because I feel like they were just trying to just like find new things to do and like new things to paint, and I feel like they just found a different way to paint in that era, and that's that's. 
just this is what they chose, you know. And they, I feel like it just it became a trend. But, but yeah, I agree with. I, I agree. I can't see that, you guys. And with that being said, I would like to say impressionism was the major thing behind the case study, and mm-hmm. it's really big in the century. Mm-hmm. Okay, Scott, let's focus on Impressionism art. We are narrowing it down to two, pe- two people, Villard and Suzanne. Christelle, would you further explain these people? Of course. So who is Ambroise and Paul Suzanne? Ambroise Villard, he was a French art dealer who in the beginning of the 20th century was one of the most important in French contemporary art. He studied law at the age of 19, but he was so interested in art that he used to go do boxes of drawings and prints on his free time. And eventually at the age of 21, he dropped out and he became a clerk for an art dealer. The art dealer he became a clerk for was Alphonse Dumas, who specialized in painting. But Villard didn't work for him long since he had some great suggestions that were always turned down. And I don't blame him for that. Interesting. I would leave too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, around 1890, Valar he wanted impressions to be showed in the exhibits, and an impression. An impressionist is an artist that focuses on depicting natural light in their art. Artists like Claude Monet, Edgar Degas, and of course Paul Cezanne. So he started selling pieces of art that he would find until he rented out a shop in Paris. And he used that shop to display, sell his art, artists like Vincent van Gogh, and this is art known as avant-garde art. Around Mm. this time, there was a lot of mixed comments about the Impressionist movement. And artists, they were grateful for the exposure, but critics and the public, they didn't like the Impressionist movement. So Sky, why do you think that Impressionist art was frowned upon? by the critics and the viewers. Well, when you think about it, it, it kind of depicts stuff that is reality of things, and most people don't like to face reality. Even with our current generations today, most people don't like to hear the truth or embrace the truth. So I think that's why all critics and viewers were basically frowning at impressionist, impressionist and impressionist art, which is just very brutal at this time, I can say. Yeah, they thought that the paintings were vulgar and shapeless, rough sketches. Mm-hmm. But Ambrose, he didn't care, and he still sold it until World War One made all the galleries close. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I like him for that. But who is Paul Suzanne in this case? Paul Suzanne, he's one of the artists that were mentioned during the Impressionist movement. And he was born in 1839, right? He enrolled in college bourbon to study art. And he even took drawing and painting classes outside of his college courses. So he wanted to enhance his skills. But his dad, he wasn't fond of him becoming an artist. His dad was like a businessman. So, of course, he wanted to follow. He wanted him to follow in his footsteps. But my question for you, Fritz is what choice would you make if you had to choose between your passion and something that your parents wanted you to pursue? Mm. 
the, the thing is, I feel like parents are the most important like beings in the world for you. I feel like you can't you can't be harsh to them or hurt them in any way. I feel like after all, they are the ones who sacrificed like their life for you. So I feel like, but I mean, but it doesn't mean like you should forget about your passion either. Like communication is always important in any relationship. I, I feel like if your parents are against your passion, talk to them calmly and with like like with patience about like about why they're against. So. I agree because I feel like parents they don't understand that pursuing a passion it can make you successful also like if you're consistent and you're motivated you invest in yourself like you could still make the Mm -hmm. same amount of money that you make as being a lawyer or a businessman Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's true so to please his dad, he continued going to law school and he was doing both at the same time, studying art, doing law school, going back and forth from Paris to his hometown. But he liked staying his, in his hometown so he could make his best pieces. Mm-hmm. Right? Interesting. So over the years, he continued to perfect his craft, even after being rejected multiple times for his art. I think he got rejected that many times because his art was romantic, but it lacked passion and intensity at the time. So in 1872, Paul, he traveled to Pontoise, France, and he stayed there for two years to work with Camille Pissarro. That was one of his biggest influences in art. And during this time, he started realizing that painting should be done from nature. So his new pieces reflected that. And there was an absence of religious subjects and romantic themes now he was incorporating vibrant colors and Mm. instead of using his sad usual pieces when he met vincent van gogh this influenced his style even further his strokes his brush strokes become they became less dense and fluid Mm. so then in 1874 paul he was finally chosen to become part of his first art exhibition and this is such an important moment for him. He's finally getting exposure and becoming noticed by some of the greats. But during the late 1870s, Paul didn't want to be a part of that movement anymore. And he wanted to be part of his own thing. He liked being, he liked working alone in his hometown. And after receiving all that negative feedback from the Impressionist movement, he lacked the interest to show his art publicly for like 20 years after that. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. That that explains a lot, and I can't agree because the research was the same on this end. I just feel like a lot of the emotions that Suzanne has went through and still is creating art and still choosing to be him, I feel like that's the big aspect about the art community, especially I with the art community that we're working on. Premiumbeat.com. You know? Yes. Yes, I agree. So there's actually a quick story to how Ambroise Villard and Paul Cezanne knew each other. Mm. Ambroise Villard, he hosted Cezanne's first solo exhibition in 1895. This transformed Cezanne's status and solidified his reputation. Artists purchased Cezanne's artwork and the, the exhibition not only made Ambroise Villard wealthy, but it also established Cezanne as one of the most influential artists now. Suzanne, he liked to capture still objects and things that were in front of him. So in 1899, Paul Suzanne decided to work with Ambroise Villard and make an oil painting, his specialty. 
So Ambrose sat completely still in silence for hours throughout 115 sessions. They say this was about two weeks of him sitting still and he had to balance on a stool on top of on top of a platform. If he shifted his wow. position, Paul would yell at him and tell him to sit still. So this painting, it was like a seated portrait and you could tell there was a lot of tension and darkness. It was, the subject's face was gloomy and serious, but it was very shadowed because the background was dark. Uh, but you could still infer that he seemed impatient or annoyed. So I just anyway. that that annoyance probably was the reason behind the mix-up in this painting. <laughs> but yeah, probably. wouldn't have that's that he wouldn't have sat still for several days if he didn't believe and support Paul yeah if he didn't believe exactly exactly so yeah, you know, is that this is an accident or should we just say that it was something to get back at him it probably was something to get back okay now that i'm just hearing that story like he sounded like he was just like a little like mad stuff like I feel like, yeah, I feel like it definitely was like, it was, definitely was a motive, for sure. I still think, I don't know, I still think that he was in the wrong, but I don't think it was a motive, like, because of the portrait, he had to sit for two weeks. I feel like he just didn't care at the moment of the mm-hmm. consequences. Mm-hmm. Or didn't think mm. too deep into it. I agree. That's, yeah, I agree. That's true. That is true. The Renaissance saw a huge increase in the tale's popularity. Acting and startling Diana was the most frequently portrayed moment. However, his metamorphosis and eventual demise were also occasionally depicted. Okay, so do you guys think the tale of Diana acting is based on a true story? It sounds like a mythology story to me. Yeah. Yeah, I don't so think I feel like it was real. just made up. Yeah, I feel like it was just made up by somebody back then. Like, they just wanted to get a story out the way. So they just, like, made it up. Especially turning okay. someone into a deer with long antlers. That's crazy. <laughs> I think the yeah, photo but... is really pretty, though. I can say I do like that one dude drawing. Because it was pretty nice. Yeah. And it had some feeling to it. I feel like... Continue. And I feel like it was just something that Suzanne worked on. And it ties back into a story, which is a beautiful memento. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I agree. I also feel like... I feel like some, some parts like of the story could have been based on the true story but they just added stuff to it like i feel like back then like it was like a similar situation that happened but they just wanted to like add like goddess and stuff and just make like a story like into like something like you know a story but i feel like it's kind of like some parts of the story is based on the true story saint anthony was an egyptian hermit known for having established the ideal of monasticism seclusion and meditation in christianity According to the life of St. Anthony, written by the 20th Bishop of Alexandria, Athenius, Anthony was assaulted by several demons and tormented by erotic visions during his retreat to the eastern desert of Egypt. 
it's his hands painting you could like see like it, it shows that exactly like the, the demons and stuff like bothering him and that he's not faced so it's like it's like seeing reading the backstory like it's it's nice to see the picture all right first before i tell the story how do you guys feel about Suzanne's citation of saint anthony's portrait it's very scary, very demonic. You can see the hues are very different. And you can see the blues, the greens, and it feels like mm-hmm. I'm about to go like in the underworld a little bit. Yeah, it's really scary. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like It's a very scary thing, <laughs> but I feel like there's like a huge, it definitely like shows like a meaning behind the picture. And like, you could just tell like the person was just trying to like, like give off like give off like a moral yeah I, I could see that there's like a meaning behind the picture I feel like it's showing that the demons in the picture they want to tempt St. Anthony but he's not going for it and he's not saved by them he's going to like continue going on his journey no matter like mm-hmm. what attack that's what yeah, I it's, yeah it's a very it's a very nice portrait okay this rendition of the topic, which has been frequently shown since the time of Hieronymus Bosch, and has also been described by several 19th century writers, is Suzanne's final known work on the subject. This typical scenario seems to be a reflection of the mastery of the sexual problems that tormented the painter at this time, when the majority of Suzanne's paintings dealt with erotic issues and murder. Interesting. But his work was very, I feel like he depicted how he felt and he basically was the news source but more visually if that makes sense stuff that people wouldn't so with that being said we're going to go back to our case study at hand which is should bollard be the reason why this mishap happened between the two portraits because they're very different you see that the diane and axion excuse me and you see the temptation of St. Anthony. If you switch those two very simply, they could have two different meanings. Because mm-hmm. it could mean that Diane is tempted by the devil and St. Anthony was just scared of somebody seeing him naked, you know? So mm-hmm. it has two very different meanings. So the question at hand are titles that help or a hindrance in interpreting. I think that titles are definitely an important role because it shows what people are not like interpreting a lot Mm -hmm. of artists a lot of people who aren't artistic they don't really look at the picture and think of what's going on but they read the title description to see what it means yeah i agree i agree yeah because there's a lot of people that just like some people just want to know like the backstory behind uh, the painting some people don't want to just like try to figure it out so you know like sometimes they want to look at the title before, before yeah. they i feel like i feel like titles are definitely like helpful so you think you guys can agree or disagree to the topic of assumption so if somebody were to just assume by a title or a statement or label that we give something it would have a completely different meaning yeah yeah yes yeah exactly so because imagine the description at the art at the art exhibition saying that it's a group of naked women 
yeah. but you see demons instead. It's like yeah. you don't really know what to think you're looking at. Yeah, exactly. So when it comes to loaning the paintings, do you guys really think back in the beginning of the background, do you guys think it was Ballard's mistake for sending the wrong pieces? Or do you guys think it was Suzanne's fault for sending the wrong pieces and not checking out for himself? I feel like it was Ballard's. I feel like it was Ballard's. Because, I mean, like, it was his, wasn't it his event? Yes, it was, actually. It was his event. So I feel like he should have like looked at all the pieces first before like even like putting them up, you know. But and again, you gotta think when you're seeing something for the first hand, or you don't know. Like back then, they don't have cell phones; they can only do word by mouth. Yeah. Let's say if a mix does happen, I can't just text or email you and be like, "Are you sure that this is right?" You know. That's that's true. That is true. That is true. But in the case study, it says that he discovered he sold the St. Anthony, so he sent the Diana instead. So he already knew that he didn't have the St. Anthony anymore. So I do think Villard was wrong. Oh, wow. So I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's, yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, I definitely, yeah, Villard is definitely wrong. For sure. Yeah, especially given that oh. they have a background together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like, yeah. So with this being said, do you guys think he had an actual motive behind it? No, I don't I don't, I don't. don't think it was like he had a motive. I, I feel like it was just like a huge mistake, really. A huge mistake. You don't think it was self-sabotage or kind <laughs> of sabotage? No, nah, I just feel like it was like, nah. Because like they worked together before. So it's like, I don't think he was, I don't know. I don't think he was doing all that. I feel like it was just a huge mistake that that, that was on his part because I feel like he could have really just checked the title and just like the painting and the pieces. In conclusion, we can all agree that it was Ballard's fault in the mix-up of the paintings and it was very much intentional, which I think this could conclude our podcast. Thank you for joining us so much today. Me, Fritz. Crystal. And Sky. I appreciate it. It's includes exploring art podcast subscribe to exploring art podcast on itunes spotify soundcloud or wherever you get your podcast thank you for listening please join us soon and remember to stay curious stay curious